everyone! Before we start, I wanted to let you know, if you would like to watch our whole service, head to our website, that's dc2.me, and from the media drop-down, click Sermons. You can watch our whole service there. And now, here's this week's sermon. My name is Emily, and I'm one of the pastors here at Discovery, and I'm so excited to be with you and to be able to just sit while I'm standing. You're sitting. You know what I mean. (laughs) To be in the same room with you. So we are going through a series in James, and I've thoroughly learned a lot from it, and I've um, been really excited about it. But like many of you and our other preachers who have spoken on the stage, um, I've had very... Um, a lot of questions and a lot of emotions and a lot of things that I'm dealing with when I read the book of James. So at some points, I'm really happy about James, and other points, I'm really sad about what I'm reading. And sometimes I feel like with what James is saying to us, we can just change the world right now in this very moment, and everything will be so great. But then I'm like, gosh, I have so many things that I need to work on before I tell people to change the world. And James can be pretty trippy in that sense. There's a lot going on. And we're going to be looking at James 4 today. And throughout our time together, I want to try something with you. We're going to have some time of interaction. And I'm very much looking forward to this. It worked okay for service, but um, we're going to see how it goes this service. So by interaction, I mean talking. So like, I'm going to ask you a question, and then I would love to hear your thoughts and your responses to those questions. And the thing that tripped people up last service, I think, was that um, you all have masks on. So sometimes it can be hard to talk with a mask on with somebody that has a microphone on. So we'll just do the best that we can. And I want to make it clear that you're going to have a lot of opportunities to um, share your thoughts and your opinions. So please don't feel shy. There are no um, silly or dumb ideas to be had. I just want to see where you all are at this morning, what you're thinking. Um, You're going to be part of the message today. I'm very excited. Are you excited? Yeah, I can tell. All right. For those of you who are online... I'll remind you that there are chat features connected to every streaming um, platform that we're on, Facebook, YouTube, and Church Online. (laughs) And we've got hosts for each platform that will engage with you. And when the moments that um, I'll ask for your input, when those things happen, uh, please join in with your answers through those chat functions so you can talk about that as well as our service is streamed live. And if you don't want to use the chat functions or aren't comfortable with that, text a friend, tell a family member, or send me an email with your answers um, attached, whatever whatever you want. And honestly, I wish that I brought candy with me today so I could give you participation points. But historically, I'm not great at throwing candy into the audience because last time I did that, I may or may not have hit someone. So for the protection of you all, you'll just get participation points from me. So... We're going to practice together. First part of our interaction today, we're going to all take a deep breath together. And I know for myself, sometimes I feel really anxious and scatterbrained on Sunday mornings, and it helps me to stop and um, just take a second to do a little bit of inventory, inhale and exhale moment. This helps me feel more calm and centered and aware of what I'm about to be a part of. So I'm going to do that with you. So what's going to happen, I'm going to count to three, 
We'll breathe in, and then we'll hold our breath for a couple of seconds. Hopefully you brushed your teeth this morning. And after I say three, two, one, we'll all release our breath. Does that make sense? Great. All right. One, two, three. Breathe in. We'll hold for a little bit. Three, two, one. So far, so good. We're going to do it one more time. One, two, three. Breathe in. Hold. Three, two, one. Breathe out. All right, next participation question. I want to give your brain some time to process what we're going to be talking about today. So here's my question. If you could describe in one word what the pace of your life has been recently, what word would you choose? So when you think of the word, yell it out, and I want to know why you chose that word. Or type it out if you're online. Hectic. hectic. Why would you say that it's hectic? Right. <laughs> yes. So he uh, works from home, and he usually gets breaks with kids when he doesn't work from home, or when it's not a pandemic, I'm sorry. Um, but with this pandemic thing that's happening, there aren't breaks from really anything, especially when you have family in your house. That's a great answer. Chaotic. Why is it chaotic? Yes, right, chaos with of schedules happening. And from my understanding, schools are doing everything kind of different. So there's not really a normal schedule for anybody. And trying to have uh, plan fun things or plan family things, that can be really difficult, especially when you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Can anyone else think of a word? Noisy. Why would you say noisy? <laughs> Four boys at home and trying to work, too. Yeah, that is a lot. It's a lot of noise. Yes, it's hard to find quiet and probably a good smelling space at times, I bet. <laughs> that was, I just cracked myself over. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Oh, so there's a short film. It's called Godspeed, and it's one of my favorite productions. It's 30 minutes long-ish, and it's about a man. His name is Matt, and Matt just finished graduate school at a religious seminary in the United States, and in this movie, he had just figured out how to um, be a pastor. That's what he went to school for. And he thinks that he's finally ready to go out into the world and do pastorly things, what pastors do. But one of his mentors... He helped him understand that if he wanted to walk like Jesus, and when I say walk like Jesus, I mean live like Jesus lived, he had to slow down. And Matt wasn't really sure what his mentor was talking about, but he was intrigued by it, so he wanted to see what that meant. So now, 
audience participation time. When, I, when you hear those two words, slow down, what comes to your mind? Relaxation. Ooh, by a beach with a hammock or something? That'd be cool. To take a deep breath. To take a step, step back and think about things, yeah. To be balanced, yes. What did you say, I'm sorry? And meditate, yes. To be balanced and meditate. To say no, which is really hard for me. I don't know about you. <laughs> so for me, I have ADHD, and when I hear those words slow down, my brain just likes to speed up. It, I think it doesn't know what those mean, maybe. Um, so sometimes I bounce off the walls. Not literally. That would be cool, though. But I have to have people, um, especially my counselor, remind me that there are times in life, in every minute of every day, actually, where I need to take a breath, where I need to stop and just breathe. I have a hard time sometimes sitting still in meetings, and often my mouth just kind of like runs away from me <laughs> while my brain is still trying to process my thoughts. I have a hard time slowing down, and many times it feels like the pace of my life is that difficulty. It's, it's running. It feels like I'm constantly going from one place to the, another, the other. I'm scarfing down snacks in the car while I'm um, going from meeting to meeting. I'm doing homework, and every day it feels more like of a rinse and repeat kind of scenario. It feels like time just kind of flies by on its own, and I don't even know where it is to catch it. Does anybody else feel that way? Yeah. So Matt, the seminary guy, and his family, he gets an opportunity to move to Scotland from the States. And when they get to Scotland, he needs to find a job somewhere. So a local parish was hiring. It's another word for a church. And he applied for their part-time parish assistant job. And he got the job. So the first day that he is at his new job, Matt showed up to the door of the church. And I think this is probably the best part of the film. Matt goes up to his boss, he meets him and says, where's my office? And Reverend McDonald, his new employer, looks at him, and he's just a little bit confused. It's the first time meeting him, and he says, your office? Now, Matt thought that maybe this was a territorial thing, like assistant parish person doesn't get an office, but parish person does. So Matt, um, he tried again. He said, right, sorry, my bad. Where's your office? Reverend McDonald, he's still confused with Matt, and he says, my office? And then, Matt said, he walked him around to the sign at the parish where he pointed, he pointed to his home telephone number, which was hand-painted on the sign. And Reverend McDonald said, there is no office. And Matt was very perplexed and confused at this point because he's used to offices. Like here in the States, you have an office where you work or you try to make an office or something like that. And Matt asks, so where do I work, Reverend McDonald? And Reverend McDonald, he pointed down the street and said, start walking. Get out into the land. No other direction at this point. So what would you do if you were in that situation? He had to find a pub. There was a pub in the town, yes. Yep, good choice. 
start walking. Look around. Look around to see where you should walk. <laughs> There's a sidewalk or something. Go talk to people. Find a nearby Starbucks. I like that. That's probably what I would do too. So this is interesting. In Scotland, um, parishes, they're like churches, but also parishes are land. So when you say, where's my parish, you kind of are talking about the land that you're around. But Matt didn't know that. He for sure did not know what to do in this moment. He's used to living in the United States. He's used to driving cars and getting from point A to point B. He was expecting an office. But Reverend McDonald showed him a different way to live. And as Matt started walking, he met people. He got to understand the country of Scotland. He got to enjoy the days that he had there. And he met some beautiful people and got not only to teach people about God, but he got to live and experience life with them. And Matt said this about his time um, in reflection in Scotland. He said, I've been running for most of my life. I've been running through life to get somewhere else. But the thing about running is that you miss things, many things. And if I kept running, I was going to miss everything. How many of you feel like you can relate to what Matt had just said? And how many of you feel like you also have been running right now? How many of you feel tired of running? Now, when it comes to running as an exercise, I do it about two to three times a week, and that is probably a lie right now because I haven't run like that in a long time. But when I did that, I loved it. And when I run, I get tired fairly easily. I start off very excited, and then I slowly taper out. When I use run as a metaphor to describe the speed of my life, I also feel exhausted, and it kind of makes sense. Why do you think that so many of us relate to what Matt said? Whoa, two at once, who's going to win? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Culture, everybody else is doing it, especially in the States. Yes, contemplative practices take time and discipline, and time feels like something that we don't have. Not running is equated with being lazy. Lots of things are competing for our attention. I think the thing is, is that when we're running, we don't have time to look around. We don't have time to see who's in front of us. We don't have time to be known. We don't have time for people to know us, to allow ourselves um, to be known by God and to know God. When we run, we race by people who might very well want to be a part of our lives, and we might want to be a part of theirs, but there's just no time. When we run, we race by people who are in need, and maybe we could help them, but we have a schedule to keep, right? When we run, I know for me, I tend to cherish the hustle and the anxiety 
of running and being busy rather than wanting it to go away. I mean, I think we all say that we want um, to not be busy and we don't want this anxiety on our shoulders, but do we really want it to leave? Because if the running went away, if the anxiety left, if that was all of gone, we would just be left with ourselves, wouldn't we? We'd be left with ourselves and we'd be left with other people and we would be left to be known by someone. Eugene Peterson, he um, was one of Matt's mentors that suggested he go to Scotland, and he said this. He said, I think what I realized was that nobody in America gets listened to very much. I was surprised at how little people had relationships. I think another reason why we keep running is so that we can control our lives. When I'm running, I can control what I run to and where I run from. I can control who I run with and who I leave behind. If I stop running, I'm letting people into my life. I think James has something to say about running, just like he has something to say about a lot of things. We're going to read this together. It's found in James 4. And I want to hear what you think at the end of our reading. This is what James said. He says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city. We will spend a year there. We'll carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. What do you think? What do you think about that? You think it's our way of trying to take control and to hold on to what? I'm sorry? Just control in general. Yep. Right. We're... Yes, we're not used to um, talking about what God's will is and saying that our plans are um, for God's will. We're just used to doing them and not really asking or acknowledging that they could be not our will. When you think of, I don't have kids, I don't have um, anyone to take care of right now, but if you have someone to take care of in your life, when you think of the way that James words this, when he says, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow, um, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And he's saying that um, planning or kind of taking control of your life is not what you should do. Does that scare you? Because oftentimes, I assume that people plan not only for themselves, but for other people. I feel like that would be scary for me. Is that scary for you? 
I think that James here, when we talk about this passage, I think that he's saying, yes, you can do all of these things. You can plan your life in the way that you want, but there's a better way to live here. And I think it sums up kind of everything that we're talking about today. There's a better way to live in the fact that you can slow down in order to catch up with God. And James is saying, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city. We'll spend a year there. He's saying that this is kind of nonsense. And he's saying that we want control when we know we don't have it. But what's the better option? What's the better option? Jesus also talked about this. We're going to read a passage in Luke, and I want to hear what you think after this passage. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in, a, in, a, in an abundance of possessions. And then Jesus told them this parable. Um, if you look in the Bible, it's the parable of the rich fool. And I think it's interesting how they worded it like that. It says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I do, I'll do. I know. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store something. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Did I read too fast? I'm very sorry. Okay. And then I will store my crops. That's what it was. Thank you. Did I, what? I'm good? Okay, sorry about that. Um, then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and then I will store my surplus again. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat and drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now, some of the things that Jesus says can make me very uncomfortable, and this might be one of those times. How many of you, when you read this, got a little angry? I was taught that I was to save money and save lots of money, and then when I'm older, I'll be able to have money so I can have a house or whatever. I was um, taught about 401ks and retirement plans, and when I read this kind of for face value, I'm confused because does that mean that Jesus hates retirement plans? What do you think? Right. Surplus is the important word to look here, um, to look at here, that the guy had a lot more than he needed and he was hoarding it for himself. It's a great reflection. Right. Life is a balance, and if we worry too much about living in the future rather than living now, we miss out on a lot of things. That's great. Yes. Yeah, the purpose was for relaxation. Mary and other people, but 
Yes. His purpose was off. He was wanting to live and um, just kind of satisfy his own needs instead of taking care of other people. Yes, um, our lives are like vessels, and when we receive, our job is also to give out. And when greed comes into the picture, it can stop that from happening. I think in this story, much like James, Jesus is showing us a better way to live. I think James is showing us to slow down in order to catch up with God, and Jesus is saying the same thing. And I think it's all about priorities, right? Where our priorities lie? I think one of the most interesting parts of the Bible um, is what we're going to talk about next. And it's actually where Jesus taught this scripture and where he fulfilled it. It's found in Mark 14, and basically what's about to happen is Jesus is about to die on behalf of humanity. And this humanity is a kind of humanity who wanted nothing to do with him. They didn't want what he had to offer. They wanted a savior. They wanted a rescuer. They wanted a hero that was not him. They wanted a hero that would overthrow the government and that would take care of their physical needs, but their spiritual needs would come in last. Jesus knew that he was going to go through a lot of pain with his suffering and with his sacrifice, and he didn't really want to do it, it sounds like. And this is what Jesus says here. Abba, Father, he said, Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but, will, but what you will. And I think, I don't know. I like to take my life into my own hands. I like to be in control of my schedule. I like to do the things that I want to do. But when I read that passage, it's kind of sobering to me because if Jesus, who is God, If he has something that he does not want to do but yet will sacrifice his own desires to fulfill what God wants him to do, like that's, I don't know what to do with that, right? Like that can be pretty impactful. And it's caused me to look at my life and to look at the things that I like to have power over, which I might not really need to. So James says that we're in control of our lives. We're not in control of our lives. And Jesus says that we're not in control of our lives. So question for you, why do you think we still try to be in in control of our lives? Fear. We're afraid of what might happen if we let go of our white-knuckle grip. Right. Oftentimes we can only see what's in front of this, what's in front of us instead of the big picture. It's our pride. We think that we can do the things that we want to do and do them better than anybody else, so why not do them? That was a mouthful. Good job there. (laughs) We don't want to wait. Waiting can be so hard. 
especially when we think we know what to do and we can do it. I think that the more that I learn about Jesus and the more that I um, grow in my faith, I've learned that being a follower of Jesus means thinking differently about everything, about thinking differently about our money, our uh, friendships, the way that we live our lives on a daily basis. Being a follower of Jesus means thinking differently about our family members and the people that we don't like at all, our coworkers, um, our jobs, everything in life. Being a follower of Jesus means thinking differently about slowing down to catch up with God. And when I think of the concept of slowing down to catch up with God, that's kind of weird, right? Like you don't catch up with somebody that you're way ahead of. The concept of that is very strange to me. But there's a theologian, and he wrote a book, and it talks about his theory that um, there's an average person, the average person walks three miles an hour. And that might not seem like a lot. It's very slow because most of us have cars and most of us drive places. Most of us go on the interstate, which we drive like 75 miles an hour. Or if you don't have a Toyota Corolla, probably 120. I don't know what that feels like. <laughs> but we, like the even thought of walking three miles an hour, and that's the pace that my life would go every single day, that sounds kind of brutal. But this theologian, his theory, his question that he poses is, what if that was God's pace? What if God walked three miles an hour? What if that was the way that he lived his life? And if I think about my life, a lot of my time is made up of just going from A to B and not really thinking about what's in between that. Or just taking time to reflect and to stop and to think about who I am and who God is. I want to invite the band up now. And I want us to practice something. Um, as a staff, our Discovery staff, we're going through a couple of initiatives this year um, to kind of be more aligned with who God is and who we are and how he's calling us to lead. And one of the initiatives that we're talking about is we're asking ourselves what are some things that we can stop doing in order for us to put new things into practice that align more with our vision and who we are as a group and who we are as individuals. What is one thing that we can stop doing so that we can put something better in its place? And the thing that I want to ask you today is what is one thing you can stop doing this week in order for you to slow down and to catch up with God? What is one thing that you can stop doing this week in order for you to slow down and catch up with God? I want us to practice in this together before we sing. And I want us to just sit in some silence. And this silence has no agenda. This silence has um, no intended um, selfish motive for it at all. It's an opportunity for you and I to take several seconds to just sit and to be human and to open up the opportunity for us to receive anything that God has for us. And maybe it's just an opportunity for us to take a breath. So in this time of silence, I want to invite you, if you're able to sit up in your chair, to put your feet flat on the floor if you can reach, to close your eyes 
and to lay your hands out like this. This is normally what we do in a posture of receiving something or of giving up something, of handing something over. What is one thing that you can stop doing so you can slow down and catch up with God? We're going to give this um, several seconds, and I want to invite you to just breathe with no agenda, nothing to lose, to just be human with you and with God. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. And I thank you for the opportunity that we have today to just sit and to rest and to breathe and reflect on who we are and who you are. God, I pray that this week you would allow us to look at our schedules, to look at the places that we spend our time the most and to ask ourselves how we can catch up with you. How we can experience you in new ways, how we can follow you with our desires, with the things that we can control, how we can follow you with our time. And God, when we feel anxious or concerned, um, when we feel worried or defensive on the things that we try to control and we know that we can't, would you bring these words to mind and let us say, not my will, but your will be done, God. God, I pray for myself that you would help me quiet my soul and allow me the space where I can just be with you with no agenda, nothing to lose, but that I would spend my time in a way that is pleasing to you in a way that serves others and serves you. God, thank you for this opportunity. May it be a sweet reminder for us as we go throughout our week. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.